play the contest again. Time Lord. This is Trap One. My name's Mark McManus. My guest today is the creator of the Doctor Who Solitaire story game. He's worked on the classic DVD range and even appeared in Doctor Who in The Empty Child. Simon Corgan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Mark. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, not bad. Not bad. So, uh, yeah, how did, it get, how did it all start for you? Can you remember what your first Doctor Who story was that you saw? It was a long time ago. I'm one of the old guards. Um, yeah, I can I can remember back to the John Pertwee era. Uh, I'd like I'd like to think that my first head in space. Um, I've certainly got a memory of the Auton stalking through the woods from part yeah. two, I think, uh, which probably scared the life out of me. I can't remember much then about season eight, but I can certainly remember season nine. And certainly Day of the Daleks, certainly the Sea Devils. And then probably by about season 10, season 11, you know, I, I was hooked. Yeah. And I've been a fan ever since, really. It's funny, isn't it? You hear a lot that the, the Autons were people's really early memories. It's such a striking image of the uh, the dummies kind of breaking the windows and stalking after people and that kind of thing. And the Sea Devils, similar sort of thing. A lot of people seem to have strong memories of that as well. There are a lot of there are a lot of iconic moments I think in the, in the John Pertwee era. I mean, people yeah. do remember, you know, all oh, the one with the maggots, the one where they came out of the sea, uh, the one with the spider. They you know, they read like Friends titles, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but they are very iconic, and I think because um, they had a few repeats at that time as well, which was very very rare until you got to the Tom Baker era and you'd have like two a season with the John Purdy ones if you had one on a, a Saturday morning omnibus or a, a, a Christmas omnibus and you saw them again that that was a, a, a hidden gem that was so there are a lot um, of good memories from the John Purdy era but then when we got to the Tom Baker era crumbs I remember that so so well yeah. Uh, and yeah and, and Tom is my favourite doctor yeah, mine too. You know, I don't think you can touch him in terms of sheer charisma. Yeah, it's um, there is just something magical, isn't there, about him playing the Doctor? Absolutely fantastic. Oh, certainly. Yeah. And like, even when you watch them back now, uh, he never bores me. He always amuses me. Yeah. He's a terrific when, he, when he's on form. He's a terrific actor, but he's just got that um, that charisma, that magnetism, where when he's on the screen you're watching him yeah and uh, that's very important very important for his doctor you know very boring leading man really yeah he, he's terrific he's absolutely terrific he does he elevates even a weak script or poor production values anything like that he elevates it to another level every time doesn't he there's, there's only there's only say two or three stories where i feel uh where he wasn't perhaps being supported or where he was just bored yeah, um, and that is certainly it's underworld uh, invasion of time, mm. and, and perhaps you know something like Meglos, where he's you see either with Meglos's case he's not very well. You can see he's not very well. Yeah. Um, with underworld invasion of time, he's he's just bored with it really, and he, and of course he didn't get on with Louise James at that time. 
Yeah. So he was missing Liz Sladen. He was he was uh, flexing his muscles really, I suppose, with with Graham Williams. I think yeah. he was, you know, he would admit himself a bit of a monster. Um. And then he didn't go. He was going. He tended his resignation at the end of season fifteen, and Graham McDonald, who was the head of the series there, turned him round and said, "No, no, Tom, do another season." So he did. And of course, they got Mary Tam back. Uh, Mary Tam introduced, and Tom and Mary got on so well together um, that season sixteen. I, I think it's a, I was I was twelve when season sixteen was on. Um, and it remains this day. It's so low key, it's, even though it's like a dominant, uh, a universal threat, key design, yeah. blah blah. But actually, all the stories are very, very small scale with human villains and, and human, you know, with a couple of monsters. But they're they're they're, no, they're not Daleks, Cybermen. They're all they, they're the Graph. There's the the pirate captain. The the, the good old Count, Count Grendel yeah. and Andrew makes me laugh um, and I, I, I think it's a Tom is on top form he loves being with Mary Tam and it seems that each story from season 16 Tom's got a drinking buddy yeah <laughs> so, so he's, having, he's having a way of time you know, with Ian Cuthbertson from Reboss Operational who's the chase he adores Beatrix Lehman from Stones of Blood yeah um, you can see it every time he looks at her. Um, Peter, Peter Jeffries as Camp Grendel. Um, there's Glyn Owen and, and Neil McCarthy as Rome Dirt and Thrawn uh, from Power of Crawl. And then probably John Woodvine in Armageddon, in fact. He, yeah. he's, so not only does he have, have a, a beautiful woman uh, who he gets on with and laughs at his jokes, Mary Town, uh, but he's got a drinking buddy as well. So he's having an whale, absolute whale of time. And then, and then Lala turns up. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, season seventeen has got excesses, I suppose, of humour and excesses of Tom being daft. But he, but he's having just a fun. He's, it's just one long party. Yeah. yeah. And, and he goes off with the best of his girl in, in the room as well every night. Yeah. So <laughs> he's having a great time. So yeah, Tom is Tom is my favourite. Yeah, he's um, he's brilliant. And, and you say about um, Beatrix Lerman. It, it's one of the few times he's in danger of being upstaged, isn't it? As well, she's so brilliant and so eccentric. She's she's terrific. She's absolutely terrific. Um, I watched Stones of Blood quite recently, and uh, she made me laugh. But then so did Susan Engel, Susan Engel as uh, as Vivian Fay, yeah. who puts in such a <clears throat> such a twinkly performance. It's not quite it's it's, it's Virgil on camp, but it's much more fun when she's. Um, when she's Miss Fay rather than Assessor and uh, with, with uh, Professor Rumford. Yeah. Terrific. Absolutely terrific. Yeah, I, I love that season as well. Uh, Sons of Blood, The Androids of Tara and The Remus Operation um, are three of my just favourite stories all around. I think yeah, they're yeah, super... Yeah, they're me. Those three, they yeah. stand out. They're, they're just terrific. And yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, they're... Uh, very a lovely a lovely thing to watch if you're in a bad mood or you're, you're a cup of tea yeah and, watch, and it's just definitely um and recently had Sharda as well um kind of uh, uh the the most complete version probably we we're going to get did you get a chance to see that i did i, I i've got to say I, i'm 
I'm not an animation person. Um, I, I'm not keen on animation. Um, but I understand people are, and that's fine. Um, I thought it was, it was a good adaptation. It had a load of love to it, a load of love mm-hmm. that was given to it. The ending was just joyous. Yeah. Um, and sweet and, and delightful. They've done a good job with the effects. Um, yeah, it, it, it's nice to see. I, I think we've seen it enough now. So, yeah, <laughs> in all its different forms, I, I don't think we need to go there again. Yeah, hopefully that's definitive now. Yeah, I can't see how they could improve on it really. It's, uh, it, it was terrific. Yeah. It, it was it was done with such love, such love. So speaking of which, um, of uh, you know, kind of a labour of love, you've got the the Doctor Who Solitaire Story Game, where you've been releasing the expansion packs one a month this year. Uh, having recently done the third Doctor one. That's right. What I'm doing at the moment, the, the DWSSG, Doctor Who Solitaire Story Game, is, this year is its second edition. So the first edition was actually released back in 2009 to 2013. So it was, a, it was a, a four-year project that I was involved with, and I did probably about 90% of the, the writing design work. And it was based on the fact that I, I love board games. Um, but also, to my mind, there's never been a Doctor Who game that really allows you to create Doctor Who episodes. I mean, there's role-playing games out there, which, which is which are great, but they require one person to be the, the kind of referee, the games master, whoever. Um, so I feel you have to have a number of people to play that game. And one poor sod ends up not having the most fun. But the problem, again, but the problem with, with role-playing games with Doctor Who, for me, is that if you're playing the Doctor and Sarah and Harry, for example, the Doctor player has immense knowledge and power uh, over the other two characters. So... By the nature of the beast with Doctor Who, similarly to, to James Bond or, or Indiana Jones, you know, franchises where it's, it's based on one character, as opposed to, say, Star Wars or Star Trek, which are ensemble pieces where all the characters are, by and large, about the same type of uh, level of skill and ability. With Doctor Who, you've got the Doctor who's up there somewhere, and you've got the companions which are... Which are Far down. So, in terms of a game, that's very difficult to to model. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with, with I was trying trying to create a game that you could play the Doctor and the companions. And so, you know, it, it was a multiplayer game. You had to kind of end up playing all the Doctors, which is not what going back to my original premise. I wanted. I wanted a game to be created where you could sit down and you would create an episode. Uh, on the fly, with no preparation, no referee, you have the, the materials there, it will be prepared for you, it would be different every time, it wouldn't be the same kind of uh, like these these uh, choose-your-own-adventure books, yeah. where you would read a book and you go through it, and of course, every time, because it's a book, it doesn't change, if you, if you go left, you go left, you see the same thing, you go right, you go right, you see the same thing. So I want to create something where uh, it was a bit more random, 
so that you could go to a one adventure location like, um, I don't know, uh, Platform 1, and you might encounter Cassandra, yeah. but then again you might encounter the Slavine, and you'd have a different adventure. So I think that was very important, but the title of the game, you know, wasn't decided upon randomly. It's, it's called Storytelling Game, because there's a lot of theme involved in it. Um, you know, my background is with Doctor Who and things like that, so I, I know a lot of the lore, a lot of the, and that's why I put all that into it. Um, so it wasn't only a getting a good game, I wanted to get it so that you did really create um, a Doctor Who episode that felt realistic, that felt authentic, so that you came away and God, that could have been on TV. You know, I could have, I could have done, yeah, that, God, that really does. So I was trying to do the rules um, and the structure of the game. Uh, I, I kind of broke it down into, into plot events and goals and aliens and characters that you might encounter and things. And I, and I structured the, the way it was put together so that as you go through the game, as you go through an adventure in the game, I should say, because the game is broken down into adventures, uh, you go from one adventure to the other in the TARDIS and you, can, you have different things happen to you. Um, but I broke down every adventure so that you would start off with options available to you, like exploring or um, you know, finding your way around, or if you're in certain locations, like holiday locations, like I'll go less, for example, um, then you could go on, you could have a holiday, you could relax, because that was a, a thing that often happens to Doctor yeah. But of course, you would then meet characters and you would find out things that were happening, were going on uh, in that location, whether that be a murder or you find a dead body or you, you the sabotage would occur. Something would be happening, as it always is in Doctor Who. Um, and you'd meet a character that would tell you, oh, this is happening, by the way. Or you might get captured by them. Um, and then, of course, you'd find out the, the enemy, the enemy would be revealed. So you'd roll for enemy, you'd find out who you're against. Um, and I was very careful that I would, I would stage those enemies so that some enemies that you encounter would be bloody difficult to overcome, like Daleks, yeah. um, as opposed to things like um, the Absorbaloth, for example, something like that, or a werewolf, that would be much easier to overcome. So I got this concept of what's called DM in the game, which is defeat modifiers. So uh, the lower it is, if it's Daleks or Sidemen or Master, it's a very low defeat modifier. If it's something easy, it's a high defeat modifier. So it, it structures your game. Um, and once you reveal the enemy, you've got to find out what the enemy is doing, which is called their goal. Um, so once you find out the enemy, you've got to reveal the goal, uh, which could be you know, invading the planet. It could be um, uh, trying to break out of a, a dimensional prison. It, it could be anything. And of course, those goals are tied to the enemies as well. So you can't get um, the Daleks trying to escape from a dimensional prison, I don't think. Uh, but you could get the Carrionites trying to escape from a dimensional prison. Yeah. You, know, you would get the Daleks' goal being uh, to invade Earth, but a werewolf would invade Earth. That would be something different. So the goals are tied very specific. So you know, with the plots and the goals and the enemies all tied in, um, it generates the story. The, the game generates quite an authentic coherent story 
even though the elements are randomly determined by dice or whatever. So there are multiple, multiple, multiple different strands and different things for you to to encounter. But the way it's structured, it does follow what you, I would call a um, you know a Doctor Who episodic format: is is land, explore investigate to discover the enemy and then once you discover the goal you then go defeat the enemy and, and uh, if you do then that's great so so that's the, how it how it works kinda um there are four books that make up the game you've got the rule book with all the actions involved in there you've got the the villain the enemy the enemy book with all the there's uh 40 i think in the in the core game different aliens from um the master and the daleks and davros and Missy, and the Saigons, things like that. Now, the first edition that came out um, eight years ago was solely fake, focused on the Russell T. Davis era. But with the second edition, I, I've had the um, ability to go back and take a few of those, perhaps, uh, enemies that weren't as uh, long-lasting um, and put some enemies from the Matt Smith era and the Paldi era in. So, like I said, Missy goes in there, um, and we've had the Silurians and the Silence from, from Matt Smith and things. So, the second edition is, is um, it is New Who, not Classic Who, the corset, and it goes from the Christopher Eccleston 2005 series all the way up to the 2018, um, 2017, with Peter Capaldi and uh, the monks that were in uh, last season, The Lie of the Land, and... Uh, that three part in the middle. Um, so you've got the, the rule book, you've got the enemy book, you've got the adventure book, uh, which details, I think, in the core set is 45 different adventure locations from present day Earth to historical locations like Sherwood Forest um, to future locations like the library um, and, uh, and places like that and space stations and things. And then you've got the biggest book of the lot, the biggest book in the set is the event book, which is 64 pages long, has 320 events in it, which is a huge amount of events. Again, changed from first edition, second edition. I put new stuff in from the 11th and 12th Doctor, taken old stuff out, so no, no more Rose and Donna in there. But you can meet me, for example. You can meet Unit in terms of... Uh, Kate Left, Stuart and Osgood. Um, you can meet the Paternoster guy. Um, and if you're very, very lucky, you could even meet the First Doctor, uh, as played by David Bradley. Ah, cool. Uh, so, as you say, the, the design to um, kind of mirror uh, being an episode of Doctor Who, I really like yeah. that, the, the way they're designed to be played in 45 minutes as well. Um, <laughs> if you're is, lucky, yeah. Uh, a really nice way of making it seem like an episode. Um, so the, um, yeah, the other thing I really liked is the way you've got sort of, um, you've done casting of, of new characters that you've created. Um, you've, you've cast yeah. these people in the books with kind of British character actors who haven't been in Doctor Who necessarily, but it's probably only a matter of time or it's only kind of chance that they haven't. So you've got people like, uh, Jason Isaacs and, uh, Natalie Dormer. So how, how do you kind of come up with, uh, with the characters and then decide who's going to play them? Well, when I, I, was, I was going from first edition to second edition. In the first edition was the Russell T. Davis era. And you could in there meet Rose and Donna 
and Martha and people like that. And when I did second edition, I decided that I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have those characters, those those TV companions, uh, be represented in a slightly different way. Because I didn't, and this is me being very, very geeky, uh, I didn't want to go against canon. Because if you're creating Doctor Who, then we know how Rose joined the Doctor, or we know how Donna joined the Doctor. So I'm not, inter- we're not I'm not really interested in that. What I'm interested in is, is new adventures. So part of the, the premise I'm doing DWSSG, particularly to second edition, but it also happened in first edition, was I wanted to create new enemies and new companions and new locations that that fans hadn't seen before. So not only can you go to the places that I mentioned earlier, but you can go to different planets, you can go to different periods in Earth's history that I think could be interesting. Um, and I'm surprised that they haven't used it in the show. Um, so to populate those those locations and to have new companions and new characters, um, I thought I would I would cast them. So when I was deciding on these characters, I thought, well, who could play these these companions or who could play these characters? And, and you know, why why haven't they been in in Doctor Who? So I, I searched around. Um, I'm knowing a fair bit of TV stuff that I do for actors that I thought would be would be really suitable um, for companions or, or, or other people you, you could meet. And yeah, you're right. I mean, Jason Isaacs is in there. Um, he's the father of one of the companions who's played by a terrific actress called Jemima Rupa, uh, who plays my companion, Jane Danning, and he's her dad. Um, and there are other people in that I've tried to cast as well, you know, uh, and it's really interesting to do that. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason apart from the fact that I try to, with my, my geek hat on, get a, a person who could possibly be have been in Doctor Who at that time. Um, and I, I, I think people appreciate that. I think when they do look at it, because a lot of the people who, who play the game, because the game is quite popular, uh, across the world, so they're not just British fans. They, you know, there, there are people in America, Germany, Australia, Canada who are playing this. Some of which, interestingly enough, um, had never actually watched Doctor Who, um, and certainly hadn't been aware of, of British TV to uh, to a vast degree. So I certainly was, remember having a conversation with one player who was saying, you know, he's never watched Doctor Who. He's, he's played the game. He started watching it as a result of Doctor Who, as a result of the game. And now he sees all these different things. And, you know, these things are clicking into place. (laughs) And other people are uh, are saying, you know, you've got this picture of this this woman who I don't know. And then they've watched another show. And, oh, oh, that's where he's got it from. So I think I've used, um, there's a maid who, uh, in the game called Flora, um, who's uh, played by Joanne Joe Froggart from yeah. Downton Abbey. So if people then want, oh, right, no, that's it. there was another one uh, from Doc Martin I put in, you know. Um, so I put a lot of these different kind of British TV actors in, um, which I think gives a little bit of, um, uh, of authenticity um, and, and 
it's a nice little shout out for for people when they start playing the game and oh that's very it's it's nice it's it's a little extra layer to put in definitely and for the for the expansion packs where you're doing one a month for each doctor's era you've got some kind of era specific um actors as well for the uh, kind of potential companions and things yeah yeah that was that that was suggested to me and i thought it was a terrific idea so as i said i with the this year with 2018 i set myself the task of doing 12 expansions that's one one expansion per month um one doctor a month so i'm writing about 16 pages of material a month now some of this is from first edition so it's not as bad as you may seem but it's, it's about i'm writing half of it from scratch um and i did as i said earlier i didn't want to put ways of meeting companions again um we've met them so i put them a starting companion you can start off with joe grant and this show for example from the, from the, the, the third doctor um but you can't meet them you can, you can start off with um i did in the second doctor expansion say that you could meet zoe again and the reason i did this is because what happens at the end of the war games she loses the memory of her adventures. Absolutely. Yeah. She loses the memory of meeting the Doctor. So <clears throat> you can meet her again. Yeah. And that because the time was put her back into the wheel with a memory wipe. So I thought, well, we could then go back with Jamie and meet her again. Couldn't we, I suppose. So I did put her in a bit of fun. Um, but I, <laughs> every, how sad am I? Um, and I put Sarah Kingdom in, in the first Doctor one. But I, I did, but somebody said, why isn't Ian and Barbara in there? And I went, well, no, but you might meet Ian later on uh, in a future Doctor's expansion. Because I'm thinking of, they did, they released a crusade, didn't they? On video, if you, if you think back. Yeah. They had linking sections of, of William Russell. Um, so I thought, if I take a still of that, yeah, so you know it, yeah. it'll be in the eighth doctor of the nineties era, right. um, and you might have an older Ian Chesterton and taking a picture of an older William Russell, you know. But um, with the classic eras now, so every every expansion has a potential new companion with a actor or actress who was of the right age in that era. And is, you know, would have been up for it if it wasn't an audition. Um, and you know, we've heard of some people who were up for auditions of, of Joe Grant, for example, or, or Leela, um, or Amana, and, and certainly for Sarah Jane. Um, so I've been a bit naughty and thought, well, it, can I include some of these actors or actresses in, in the in the game? Uh, and I've done one for each each. Uh, yeah, one for each classic expansion. So with the third Doctor one that came out this month, the, the character was, was Annie Harris. I don't know where I get the names from, okay? I, I kind of just, they just kind of appear. Um, but the actress, for the photograph I look, and I go through uh, IMDB and Google uh, and uh, Spotlight at times, which is the actor's database, yeah. the actor's directory, looking for photographs of, from that era. So uh, the actress in the third Doctor, for Annie Harris, 
was an artist called Anushka Hempel, who actually is, is a designer as well, I, I found out now. But in the early 70s, she was about early 20s, I guess, uh, same age or perhaps a year older than, than uh, Katie Manning. And I'm sure as eggs that she went up for the audition for Cook for Joe. So I cast her in my thing yeah. um, for my Hartnell companion. I've looked back and found a really lovely photograph of a, of a beautiful actress from 1965, which unless you really looked at her, you, you, you would know her if you saw her now, but this, this was just actually as she was, or just before she perhaps was, going out with Paul McCartney. And it's Jane Asher, right? Uh, who was later on um, on uh, on the radio. Is whatever happened to Susan Foreman? Yeah. She Susan. So I thought I can't resist putting her in. <laughs> uh, and she was in um, she was in the Sarah Jane Adventures as um, as Sarah's uh, best friend who died in on the pier. Yeah. So well, uh, she and was Andrea Yates, I think, in that. So I didn't because she died. I couldn't put her in. So I thought yeah. I put her in as uh, Andrea Miller. With Miller being uh, being Liz Lane's real name, of course, uh, Liz Miller. So I've had good fun doing that. Yeah, I've had really good fun doing that. And I hope people enjoy it. I hope people see the actresses and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, she would have made a good Doctor Who companion yeah. if they'd have made it that time, or if um, Katie Manning had not part." Yeah, yeah. So I've got some nice ones lined up for the the sixth, seventh, and eighth Doctor, which. Um, uh, yeah, six times eight, and of course the eighth doctor, tenth when it was cancelled. What would happen then? The eighth doctor, if it had gone to TV over here, who was really popular in the nineties, late nineties? Yeah, I'd be looking at those actresses as well. Cool. Um, so well, hopefully then, you know, if I do twelve <coughs> this year, um, I I've just released the third one, which is uh, the third Doctor expansion. Um, Tom Baker comes out in. Three weeks, help. Um, but I've actually written up to the end of six at the moment. I'm on. I'm nearly finished seven, uh, so I'd like to get ahead. Um, and I want to get all these done by about October, ready up to twelve. Yeah, yeah. I need to get twelve will create its own problems because they, you know, the original first edition only went up to the end of ten with bits of eleven. I, I kind of went up to season six. Um, the last one that appeared in the first edition was the Doctor, the Widow, Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe, and I'd written bits of Sam so I did bits of the Silent Daleks, I did bits of the Gunslinger, and things like that from that that um, mini season. But the last uh, season, the last seven or eight of Matt Smith was never written, and I did nothing of, of, of the Peter Capaldi. So, so when I come to do the Peter Capaldi expansion. Where, and I have this 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 kind of battle with myself where you have a companion that exists with two doctors. Yeah. Where do you put them? Um, so where's Clara going to go? Is she going to go with the eleventh Doctor expansion, or is she going to go with the twelfth Doctor expansion? Well, the answer is the eleventh Doctor expansion because I need two starting companions. So the twelfth Doctor will have Bill and Nardo. Right. Eleventh one will have Clara uh, and Amy, and um, Rory will be a friend of Amy. So you can't have Rory without Amy. Yeah. 
<laughs> but, but 12 will will have its own issues, I think. Um, I, I'm not sure that the, the enemies that Peter Capaldi encountered were that memorable outside of the ones I've used in the full game. Um, so the Zygons I've used, Missy I've used, um, the Mondesian Sidemen I've used, the Monks I've used, and now you think, oh no, what else can I use? Yeah. Um, so I, I might cheat a little bit uh, on some of those. I mean, the Foretold is, is uh, yeah. a good one I think we could use. Um, the Maya. I think is a typical alien race. I could, mm. I could do something with. I, I might cheat and put the Mavellans in. Yeah. <laughs> as twelfth enemy, even though it's a bit of a cheat, but I might put it in there. Um, so I, I want to get all these done by the end of <laughs> by the end of September, if I can, ready, so that when I sit down and watch the thirteenth Doctor. I can sit down with my pen and pencil and my, and scratch my head and go, right, I have now got to turn this season of 10 stories, I think, or 10 episodes, I think it is, yeah. um, however many stories that is, into an expansion ready for January release. That's going to be, that's going to be a hard task, I think. Yeah. But fun, but fun. Yeah. Um, it's been a, it, it's been a blast doing it. I mean, I started doing second edition in July, August of last year, um, when I looked at the old material and said, I really miss doing this. This is good fun. I quite like writing this. Um, and got some, some people on uh, Board Game Geek who, who support me in it and they're fantastic. And I've got a shout out to, to Marcus, who does uh, who's from Germany and does a great job in editing all my, my stuff. He's a proofreader by trade. So if you want a missing full stop or a missing comma, then Marcus is your boy. <laughs> um, uh, I've got another proofreader called Dan who proofreads everything and uh, would change around my syntax. And things. It's great to have uh, another pair of eyes on your work or two, two pairs of eyes here who can look at things and, and say, oh, you've missed this or you've missed that, which is terrific. And um, then Marcus's wife, Laumi, uh, does all the covers. So all that design work and the covers, which are fantastic covers, uh, she does all the cover work for me. So I'm, I'm really pleased. I've got a, a little team. Uh, I've got another guy called Steve who does uh, a Facebook page for the game, uh, which only started last month. Um, about, yeah, about four weeks ago. Uh, and it's already got 87 members, which I'm really pleased about. Um... And the game is doing really, really well on board Game Geek. You know, I'm uh, for a game that is not a professionally licensed game. It's an amateur. It's free. It's you know, you just download the files and, and off you go and play it. Because uh, it's a PDF uh, booklet. I, I don't ask any money for it. It's a labour of love. Um, it would be nice I, uh, if you download it uh, as I put on the, the files there. Uh, a little donation to charity. Um, terrific I've left that to people's I can't police it it's, it's up to what people, people's conscience they want to do and whatever they want to uh, donate it to there have been some fantastic people who donated to uh, cancer charities 
there are people who donated to animal charities, there are people who donated to uh, mental health charities. Fantastic. You know, if, if my work um, can generate a little bit of income, however big or small, to really worthy charities, then, then I'm, I'm chuffed to bits, yeah. So it's, it's been a blast. And um, we are, if you, <laughs> if you look on board game geek on it, all the Doctor Who games that have been produced, whether it's professionally, whether it's licensed, whether it's amateur, whether it's print and play, whatever, and there are quite a few of them, DWSSG, first and second edition, are the top games. They're the top two. So I, and so second edition is the top one um, at the moment. So I'm really pleased about that. Really pleased. That's great. It's been nominated for an award on um, Board Game Geek as well, hasn't it? So it has. Yeah, yeah. Go and vote now. Um, it's been nominated. It was nominated. The first edition was nominated for best print and play game, so best free downloadable game. Um, it didn't win it, uh, and then the second edition now has been nominated this year again for the best print and play of, of 2017. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I got a 51 rating so far, so uh, we're doing well. Fantastic. Obviously, I'll put links in the show notes to Board Game Geek and where you can download it from and yeah. the Facebook page. <clears throat> Fantastic. Yeah, the more the merrier, you know. If you're on Board Game Geek, you know, we're, we're a very friendly bunch. Um, if you have any problems or questions about the rules and want to chip in and answer, we always start, my team will always come back and answer questions for you. We've got some really good followers. Um, Facebook, yeah, they, as many people as we're also on Twitter, um, DWSSGO1. Um, so I tweet quite a lot about um, some spoilers about the game, what's coming up. And also, if I'm watching Doctor Who uh, or listening to the fantastic Big Finish, then I'll, um, I'll do episode reviews or I'll do um, little tweet uh, episode or um, story reviews of how I think the thing is, uh, which people come back quite enjoy. So if, if you're into Doctor Who, not just DWSSG, but that's the main platform, but the Facebook page and the Twitter feed has got uh, reviews and fun and games as well. Did you ever play um, Battle for the Universe? I think that's the only wow, game I did, I've yeah. played yeah. of that one. I had that, yeah, I guess, the sort of late 80s, 90s, I used to play that. My mates who didn't really like Doctor Who, we, we did get quite into that game. Um, I can't remember much about it now, but it was, uh, I remember it being quite playable. 1990, I think that was. It was just the show was cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it having some quite um, kind of offbeat characters. Um, did it have Graf Vindicay in it? And uh, not the kind of just the run-of-the-mill kind of Davros and, and Daleks that you'd think would, a, would appeal to the mainstream. Um, it had, was it Shock Eye was in it as well, I think? It was, uh, there was just kind of a few one-off characters and things that you could play, play as. I, I think someone just went through the, the 1990 equivalent of Google and went, right, Doctor Who, right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, there was another game called, the Games Workshop did in 1980 with Tom Bader on the front called The Game of Time and Space. And that was okay, but it had so many bloody counters, it would take you hours to set the damn thing up. You yeah. Know? And oh, someone only, only had to go, and the, all the game would be knackered. Yeah. <laughs> um, and these, these are uh, board games, you know, a kind of monopoly type of board game. It's fine. You know, you can you can do board games with Doctor Who stamped on it. And, and that's great. But it wasn't what I was setting out to do. No. You know, I was setting out to someone as a as a 45-minute diversion could play a 
Doctor Who episode. Yeah. Um, and it would take about forty-five minutes to do. Um, so put your, you know, your Murray Gold soundtrack on, and you'd be you'd yeah. be done by the end time you finished. Yeah. You? <laughs> um, roughly. Um, I wanted to be able to create an episode, um, and I've never seen that being done. And you know, a lot of people are saying to me that um, the game system and, and how it works, because it's highly thematic and because it's a storytelling game. If I was to take Doctor Who out and put my own stuff in there, so rather than call it Doctor Who storytelling game, I called it Time Guardian storytelling game. And instead of taking, you know, putting Daleks in, I put Davoids in, whatever. I could have exactly the same thing, and it would be license free. Yeah. You know, um, and I could do that, or you could change it, and you know, you could make the same type of engine, game engine, into a James Bond um, game where the yeah. locations are different cities or different uh, areas around the world. You'd have plots, you'd have enemies like Goldfinger or whatever. You know, you could, make, you could do the same, you could do the same thing with the, mm. the engine exists. Um, but my love is Doctor Who, my passion is Doctor Who. If I was to take the Daleks out and make it Davoids or whatever they're called, I mm. was to take doc, the Doctor out and, and make him a, uh, make you a Time Guardian yeah, it might be easier to market, but it wouldn't be Doctor Who. Yeah. And um, that's if, I, if you cut me in half, I've got Doctor Who running through me like a stick of rock. So I think we'll stick with Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is beautifully done. It's so evocative the way the way it's written and everything. It's uh, it's great. And you mentioned the covers as well. They're so cool. They really evoke each era. I think the uh, the second Doctor one, the third Doctor one, really where you've got the consoles in there, the Doctor, the companion, some of the monsters. Uh, it looks great. Good. I'm glad you like them. I'll pass you. I'll pass it on to Lowry. When you get to the Ninth Doctor expansion pack, are you tempted to put your character from the Empty Child in there as a uh, as someone you can meet? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he's the answer. Although uh, I, I worked on another game uh, a long time ago, um, and somebody actually did put me in there. So there is a, there is a uh, a card game, an authorised card game, with me as a card. So, but no, I'm not putting me in there. No, <laughs> the empty child. Uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, I, yeah, I I was in Doctor Who in the Empty Child back in 2005. Um, in fact, it was the third Doctor Who that I might have been in because in 2005 with the first of the show coming back, the production team didn't really know how to gauge how long things would take to shoot. So shooting days and schedules changed daily because they naturally thought they could shoot much more than they did. They could. Um, they would never get it all in. Um, so I happened to know a casting director at the time uh, and of course, Doctor Who came back, and I was—I kind of rang her up and said, "If there's an extra part going, could I just be in it for, for a day?" And she said, "I'll see what I can do." So bless her heart, she did. Um, 
And the days kept changing. So MCR was a third one because the first one I was going to be in was Dalek. I, I, and I would have loved, <laughs> I, I kicked myself and changed that date. Um, I was going to be a technician in Dalek. Um, there's, there's a sequence where they all rush into a, a hangar or something or a cargo bay and the Dalek electrocutes them all. Yeah. Um, I would have learned, and there was, there's, a, there's a guy in a white, in a white technician's uh, coat. And that would have been, not me, that would have been me um, getting electrocuted by a Dalek, which I think would have been great to do in Doctor Who. But yeah. that was changed. Then I was rung up and said, look, can you, they, they're filming a church tomorrow. Can you come in? Yeah, and that was Father's Day. Yeah. And I was going to be a guest in the wedding in Father's Day. And then that changed. That changed. So I said, oh, look, look, look. They're doing, they're doing pickups of this one now. It's, it's, it's set in the World War, World War II. Um, you've got to go and get your haircut. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it, they, they took me, they, they, we went, all of us who were involved in it were taken off to the BBC kind of, you know, uh, makeup fun. They gave us all haircuts, as in the second world. Well, you can imagine the next day, everyone went, bloody hell, what, what do you look like? <laughs> and they gelled, they gelled your hair. So um, I spent a fun night uh, with John Barrowen looking out the window of the, um, the gentleman's club at, at Rose. Um, so that was good fun. That was, that was a really good fun, yeah. Excellent. So you, so you met John Barrowen. Uh, did you meet any of the other cast or...? I met no, there was no other cast there. There was um, the other talking part was uh, no Algy. Yeah, was his friend there who I, I was talking to on the when they would take us down to the location. Um, John Byron was very nice, very nice. He was a little bit less sure of himself than perhaps you would think at yeah. the time, but because he they didn't shoot in in I think he shot Boomtown first I think. Um, and this was the, almost the last the last day of filming for Andrew Child uh, so he was he was great he was very nice and um, Phil Collinson was there uh, producer at the time and again he was very nice uh, but there, there was an atmosphere of you know we're, we're we need to make sure we, we get things done there was no um there's no larking about all everyone was very pleasant, they were having a nice time. There was no kind of oh let's just it was quite intense in terms of we've we've got to do this and we've got to do this tonight because yeah. we're we're behind. So um but hey, what a great what a great episode to be in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh Stephen Moffat's first story for the series. Yeah. Uh, introduced yeah. Captain Jack. It's uh, it's really and like we saying about the the kind of the Autons and the Sea Devils being iconic for uh, you know a generation of seventies. The gas mask child is really iconic. I think for the 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 generation who were growing up, uh, you know, with Eccleston as a Doctor. Um, it's uh, it's a really it's it's an image I readily associate with with the first series back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, are you my mummy? I mean, yeah. it's just terrific, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that will be remembered and it, it was a, a great one to do. Um, it's what added new who. I think it stands up as being one of the best yeah. in the last 10 years or, or, or whatever. I think it's an absolute 
classic. It, it is a really, really good one. So to be in that one, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. That's good. And it's become a, a, a bit of a family tradition as well. Um, your son's appeared in Doctor Who since then. Yeah, yeah, my son. <laughs> yeah, we all like Doctor Who here. <laughs> um, yeah, my son does a bit of drama as well. So um, he was up for uh, the Doctor Who and he was in with Peter Capaldi. He was in uh, the Zygon invasion where all the children, um, to the, the two girls are Zygons, aren't they? And um, there's a school party of kids that goes off to a play park or something. Yeah. And uh, he's one of them. So we had a great day filming Doctor Who with the Zygons. Um, and, uh, and in contrast to to my experience, uh, there was far more from what he told me. And he's only 12, so um, there was more levity. And there was, you know, Peter Capaldi spent a lot of time with the kids getting them autographs and having photographs with them. There was a, by that time, I think they'd, they realised what they could and they couldn't do and yeah. the, the shooting schedules were perhaps far more realistic. So there was less pressure on the cast. Um, but yeah, but he had a good fun. He had a good fun doing yeah. that. That's so another brilliant I, story, isn't it, to be a part of? Oh, terrific. You know, and, I love that one. It, it's, it's great to dine out with them, yeah. It's yeah. good fun. So he was twelve at the time when he shot that shot that one. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, twelve, eleven, eleven, eleven. I think. Yeah. So was he kind of already into Doctor Who at, at that point, or? Yeah, there's no getting away from him in my house. You see. <laughs> uh, he knows that Dad is a big Doctor Who fan. That um, he uh, he watched it from the age of well, he's, he's always watched it really, but certainly when he was six. You know, when I going back to when I was six. Uh, 1973, so uh, season 10, I, I remember season 10 quite well, um, he's the same age, and the first story he watched live um, was The Eleventh Hour. Brilliant. Uh, so that would be been um, Easter time 2010, so he would have been six then, yeah, yeah. Just, just five and a half actually. And uh, oh yeah, and then of course at that time, not so much now sadly, um, Doctor Who was so popular yeah. with that age group. I mean, you, know, you could walk into Toys R Us and there would be figures everywhere. So um, it wasn't a hardship for me to um, you know, buy, go and buy the toys. Yeah. <laughs> we have lot, lots of character option figures in our house, so, yeah. um, but they are they are not um, they are not stored in, in you know plastic and never been touched. They, they've been played with. Yeah. That's what. That's what toys are for. They're not. Um, they're not to be put, put away in uh, in cellophane and, and stuff. No, he saved them all. We had, we had great fun playing with them. Brilliant, and and uh, a lot of street credit at school, I guess, as well from uh, from being in it probably at that time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, and you know, as I said, Capaldi was Peter was was fantastic, and his school back his bag is signed by Peter, and he's got a. Um, a Dalek, uh, a sketch of Dalek and things that Peter did for him. Fantastic, you know, really, really good. Brilliant. Oh, that's great memories, isn't it, to have as well? Yeah. Uh, and and we, went to, we took him to the, um, the 50th anniversary. Oh, the, uh, the XL. To the XL, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was at that as well. It was just the best day, wasn't it? It was brilliant. I was there on the, on the Saturday on the, on the actual anniversary. Anniversary. 
phenomenal. Well, that, that was great. I mean, um, you know, I, I went to the Longleat 20th anniversary yeah. in Longleat 1983, um, which is kind of like the Woodstock of Doctor Who, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people of a certain age kind of go misty-eyed and say, ah, oh, well, I was there, you see. And other people say, well, I was there, but I couldn't get in. But yeah. I got in. <laughs> um, I booked my tickets, and, and I, I had a fantastic two days. And Longleat was my first experience of Doctor Who conventions and, and seeing the people. You know, uh, I, had a, I had a big crush on Sarah Sutton at the time as well, so it was nice to see her. Yeah. Um, and a big crush on Elizabeth Slayton as well. Um, so, and then we repeat, and then of course, 30 years down the line, for the 50th anniversary, we went to to the XL and, and had the 50th, 50th celebration. And I, I think Ben enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed the 20th, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it was great. And um, whether we'll ever see its life again, I don't know. But it was a... Um, and we went to see then the anniversary story, The Day of the Doctor, in the O2. Yeah. Brilliant. And that was terrific, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And... Well, again, a great story by Stephen Moffat, that one. Yeah. I think a few moments like that, like being at the 50th at the XL, I went to the uh, the Symphonic Spectacular um, when that was in Glasgow. Just okay. A, um, arena just packed with people. Um, and you just kind of have moments sometimes and think, when you've lived through the wilderness years, just think uh, you would never, ever have imagined anything like this in the wilderness years. Yeah, yeah. I, couldn't find another Doctor Who fan, you know, anywhere <laughs> uh, in well, those it, years. It went from being seriously uncool to be a Doctor Who fan. I mean, seriously uncool. Um, and, you know, in the early 90s when Doctor Who was, was cancelled, it was openly derided. I mean, you know, when we look at it now, and it's a, a national institution and, and loved... You know, okay, that love kind of ebbs and flows a little bit, but just because it's longevity, it's 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 now cemented as as British mm-hmm. and worldwide uh, icons. But in 1992 and 93, um, three years after, four years after it had finished, it was a, it was embarrassment almost to the BBC, and you know, I mean. Bless them. Dimensions in time. Crikey. It's not good. No. <laughs> and there was a program they did just before that called uh, 91, 92, called Resistance is Useless. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, with the anorak. And, uh, with the anorak. Yeah. And you just think, well, well, thanks for, you know, putting on a clip show. Which mm. was not, but it was all done kind of, you know, God, it was rubbish, wasn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> and... You know, it it really wasn't wasn't well regarded, and then Paul McGann, great though he is, and you know the stuff he's done on Big Finish is just terrific. Um, when it failed in the states, mm. and then licensing went all to to buggery. Um, you know, nineteen ninety eight, when the license ran out with Universal. We were stuffed. You know, we were absolutely stuffed. That was it. Doctor Who was dead. It was mm-hmm. dead, dead, dead. Um, 
And thank goodness, A for Big Finish, uh, which started in 1999, with Doctor Who anyway, um, which kept the flame alight. And then, thank God for, for Russell mm-hmm. and um, uh, Lorraine Hegacy and Jane Tranter and um, you know, Judy Gardner, mm-hmm. who, who resurrected Doctor Who in such a way that it became immensely cool and immensely popular to the point where when you got to, I mean, and Dave, I mean, you know, Christopher Eccleston was a terrific doctor. Um, although you can see it wasn't quite what he, he thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, uh, and only, only in Doctor Who can you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, it, I remember going to a convention the day end of the world uh, was coming on and that morning or the day before they'd announced that Chris Reckon had left the show mm. and you think really? we yeah. be again? <laughs> you know, back on the and I remember I remember going to this convention and meeting uh, meeting Tom Baker and having his autograph and saying look what are you doing on Saturday nights these days Tom because you know, there's a vacancy yeah um, and you'd be, you'd be fantastic. Um, but then David Tennant came on, and uh, Tom, being my favourite Doctor from the classic series, Tennant, David Tennant is absolutely terrific. Um, my favourite New Who. And I think that his three years were a real high point um, with, with consistent quality all the way through. Some better than others. But when you get to season four with with uh, with Catherine Tate, who is fantastic, yeah, and it you know Journey's End, the last one of that season, that was the most watched TV program of the week. Yeah, the most watched TV program of the week. Well, if you'd lived through Wilderness years, you you never have thought that that was going to happen. No, in a million years, and. Um, you know, it was a it was water cooler TV, wasn't it? You'd go to, to work the next day, and they'd say, "Well, on the Monday, did you watch Doctor Who last night? It was pretty good, wasn't it? It was pretty good. Yeah. You know, was it funny or wasn't it exciting or whatever?" Um, and then you know, just before that, we had uh, we spent the symphonic, and we had the proms in the Albert Hall. Yeah. Proms in the Albert Hall. Um, you know, if, if someone had, uh, if you, you know, I'm, I'm going, <laughs> if you think of Genesis the Daleks in that scene where they, they say, you know, some, if somebody knew the future, yeah. <laughs> they told you <laughs> that Doctor Who would go up to be, you know, this fantastic, they'd never, you'd never believe you, would you? No. And you would, you'd never think, I mean, I, I do remember going to, there was a concert at the end of season two, so Tennant's first season had just finished. It was the November, this was in the Millennium Centre in Cardiff, and it was the first Murray Grohl's um, concert. And it was, I mean, it's before the prompts. This was the big thing, and it was packed out. You couldn't get anybody else in in the place. Um, and there were, uh, David Tennant was, was introducing it, and Russell was there, and uh, Fima Adjaman was there and uh, Annika Wills and people like that. And um, 
I just remember, I remember actually saying to Annika, because I was coming down the stairs, and saying, I never thought this would happen. This is, you know, beyond my imagination. And little did I know, but in five or six years' time, it would be even more huge. Yeah. Or six years' time. Um, so we, we, you know, late uh, noughties, the Russell era, and the, the Moffat, the early part of the Moffat era, huge. I think the second, this most recent couple of years, it hasn't quite been as popular, mm. um, unfortunately. Yeah, it's um, it, it's funny, isn't it? I've, I've my favourite um, of the modern doctors is Capaldi, and I've I've kind of loved the last few years. But it, yeah, you're, it's not talked about like you say at work. Um, it's it doesn't hasn't quite hit the zeitgeist or the mainstream to the same extent, has it? Um, which is a shame. But um, obviously, the, the the process of constant renewal and change. There's every chance, uh, you know, when it comes back in October, it'll just hit that sweet spot again, and uh, you know, it will be be back to where it was. It's uh, I suppose it's always been kind of cyclical, hasn't it? Even in the old series, you'd have you'd have these peaks and everything. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the best, the only, the only reason, no, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why Doctor Who has lasted 54 uh, years is because of this, this renewal. Yeah. And pause, you know, um, it, it, you watch Star Trek or whatever, which is mm. a fantastic program, great fan base, but you are watching the same characters week in, week out. And if you buy into those characters, that's great. But if you don't buy into his characters, that's kind of, well, the show's not going to work for you there. Yeah. Um, and you, you might as well tune out. Because if you like them, you like them. If you don't, you don't. But with Doctor Who, because every three years or so, or even less because companions change, mm. um, and producers change, and the whole show changes, you know, it only just pays... It has this, this kind of um, mythos running through it, but if you don't like this bit then something new comes along in three years anyway yeah you know so I mean my personal view is unfortunately I don't think the Peter Capaldi stories have been as strong I don't think that Peter has been well served by the scripts that he was in unfortunately um, he's a terrific actor uh, and a lovely man but I don't think it has been quite as strong um, as perhaps the, the David Tennant series were, um, but you know, we we're, we're now entering another. Well, we're entering an era now that's as new as well, not quite as, but almost as new as Rose was. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, almost complete personnel change uh, in front of and behind the camera now, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'd, I'd be interested to see that. Um, I know that there was a, you know, the whole crew change with, with Russell to, to Steve Moffat, but now with, I think, uh, behind the behind the scenes, there's still quite a few people there. I mean, Tracy Simpson, people like that are still there from the 11, uh, from Capaldi down to, to Jodie. Mm. But with, with Jodie Whittaker, I think, has got a massive task ahead of her um, to, to convince... Not the fan, although there are elements of the fans who are not 
going to be that welcoming. I don't, I, you know, to my mind, that's if the fans like her or not. Well, that's okay, but they're they're only going to be what five percent of the audience. Yeah. What What you need to get is the families liking her, the kids liking her, and and the families. So you can go back to that that point in two thousand and nine. Well, you can go to Toys R Us. Well, you can't go to Toys R Us anymore. Cause it no. It's <laughs> gone under, haven't they? Yeah. But you can go into places and see, you know, this popularity and get the kids talking about it again. Um, and she's a great actress, and mm-hmm. I think she's a lovely person. Um, a few things that they've they released recently when she's been talking to fans. She's obviously, you know, charming and... Uh, has got a lot of time for, for the audience that she's working for, and that's tremendous. But she has got... I mean, I, when she sits down to watch her first episode, when it comes out in October, you, I mean, that, that the next morning, what up the reviews? She, she, I bet she doesn't sleep. No, that's it. She's massive weight on her shoulders. Yeah. Um... I don't envy her. No. And I, I, I fingers crossed that it'll be terrific. Yeah. There's going to be a huge amount of interest in, especially a first episode, isn't there? Uh, yeah. And if they can hook those people and, and hang on to them, um, I think that's uh, that's half the, the battle, isn't it, really? Um, just uh, the, the people who will always, you know, tune in to see what a new Doctor's like. Um, I guess, you know, Chibnall will bring... You know, maybe a lot of broad church viewers and things like that. That was I never actually got around to watching it, but I know a lot of people I worked with. For them, it was really compulsive viewing. You know, that was the kind of water cooler TV uh, when it was on. So there's, uh, I think, I feel like there's a lot of cards, you know, kind of in their favour uh, if they play them right. It, it all comes. I mean, my view, it all comes down to the writing. Yeah. Um, it all comes down to the strength. You know, it, it's great having great actors, and I think you've got great actors in there. But you've got to have good writing with good scripts. Um, I think there was a tendency uh, in the Peter Capaldi era and a little bit at the end of the, the Matt Smith era as well to be so focused heavily on the Doctor and the Companion um, to the extent, to the expense of the story and to the expense of any guest cast. And part of the charm of Doctor Who, I think, is it, it, every week they land, they get out, they explore, and they meet somebody different. And I think you've got to give those guest actors something good to to, to do, um, a decent part. And, and there were plenty of good parts in um, in the Tent era. I, they, I think less so in the Cal era because they did seem to be focused very, very heavily on the regulars or even the semi-regulars. So, you know, poor old Peter Cavaldi, he looked absolutely knackered because uh, he's in practically every scene. Yeah. Um, and, then <coughs> Clara, uh, and then Clara had a massive focus on her. Hmm. Um, to the extent where you've only got 45 minutes. So they were trying to do things in the, um, in the first season of Capaldi with Clara where she was a teacher and back and forth with Danny Pink and, and all that nonsense which I didn't think worked because she was spending time 
faffing around with Danny Pink and going back to school and stuff, which I want to just have mates in space, you know, just just land and explore. Don't fanny about with... with um, I watched Into the Dalek recently, recently, recently. And it opens, I, and I wasn't that impressed the first time I saw it, but I watched it again. And um, the opening, the effects on the ship, and it, absolutely mind-blowing and perfect. And then it cuts to the school. It cuts to Cole Hill, and you have like five minutes with Clara and Danny Pink. And any kind of climax tension pace just evaporates. And of course, it takes five, six minutes of running time with it as well. So therefore, your guest characters for that story have less to do. So they're less memorable. So I'm hoping that Chibnall will, and I know he won't do it in the first couple of stories because Jodie's going to be, you know, centre stage and, and yeah. all as far as I, I really do hope. I noticed today that they cast Alan Cumming. Yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah. Uh, as King James I. Yeah. Well, well, that's terrific, you know, that's great. I mean, um, new historical icon mm-hmm. um, for the Doctor to meet. Um, it'll be even more interesting now that the Doctor's a woman. Yeah. Because putting her in a historical context would give her a bit more She'll have to work harder. It'd be more of a challenge, definitely, won't it? Yeah. yeah to uh, yeah, I think um, Alan Cumming. The, I haven't seen him in that much, but and if you watch The Good Wife, um, he played such a brilliant character in The Good Wife. Um, quite a kind of slightly Machiavellian scheming character, but very funny as well. Um, I think Bastard. it's a great choice for, uh, for for this part. I think. I think I think you're right, um, and. Yeah, if they get it right, they give him something to do. James the First, is that James the First? That um, Guy Fawkes, I think it is, isn't it? Around that time, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. So they can do a Guy Fawkes story. I mean, that would be good. Yeah, it could be interesting. I mean, going back to my game, going back, going back to um, Doctor Who, uh, the side history again. I like to put in different historical characters in. Yeah. So, um, uh, in the new expansion I'm writing at the moment, um, you've got Oliver Cromwell, who's uh, never appeared in Doctor Who. No. Uh, who would be great. They you know, King yeah. Charles the first, uh, and the Cromwells and the Cavaliers and the Roundheads. Uh, but, but, you know, historically, they're great. Um, it'd be really good to see him. But please, please give him something to do. Yeah. You know, like they did with... Um, Pauline Collins as Queen Victoria. Yeah. Or Dean Lennox Shakespeare, you know? You've got you've got these good characters and you haven't had a um Capaldi didn't have any historical characters, did he? Yeah, Robin Hood was probably the closest, wasn't he? But um obviously not actually a historical character, that's the <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. It might be the closest uh thing. That, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that's only one though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I can't you know, I, I I'm not sure that Matt Smith had many. He had Vincent Van Gogh in the first one, yeah. the first series. He had Richard Nixon yeah. in the second <laughs> one, and then kind of went away. Um, I like the I like those historical. I think they're great. Mm. Um, so Guy Fawkes and James First, yeah, bring it on. That would be terrific. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. 
Yeah, that'd be great. There was a computer game, one of those um, free downloads from the BBC website, wasn't there, that was Guy Fawkes? Um, yeah, the adventure games. Yeah, Ralph Little, I think, was, was Guy Fawkes in it, if I remember that right. Was pretty, that was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't play I, that I one. I played either. those two on my son, my son did as well. Yeah, I've only played the first one, I think. Is it the Dalek Invasion of Earth one? Um, I can't remember what they're called. I, I played it when it first came out. Okay, yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was the only one I got around to. I think they did. They did three, didn't they? They did one with the Dalek. They did four. Or did they do five? They did the Dalek one. They did the Cyberman one. There was one set entirely did, in the uh, TARDIS, wasn't there? Rather straight. There's what? Sorry. There was one set entirely in the TARDIS. I think was that from memory. There was, was that, that one. Yeah. There was a Vashtarada one. Yes. And then there was the, the Guy Fawkes one. Yeah. Um, and the Guy Fawkes one had the Rutans and the Sontarans in it. Right. Which well, certainly had the Rutans in it. Sontarans, I'm making that up. But certainly had the Rutans in it, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, was, that was really good. Um, the last one, they, they got progressively better. And the last one, considering it was a free download, yeah. We haven't seen a like of that for a while. No, I'd forgotten about those. I need to go back and get the ones I haven't played, actually. That's, uh, <laughs> that's something I might do this weekend. You'd be lucky to find those now. You'd be lucky to find those. Uh, I, I thought they might still be on the BBC website. Are they not still? Uh... No, it doesn't. They all come down now, I think. Ah, right. They're, they're launching a mobile game, aren't they, I think, this spring? Um, I remember reading about it in the Doctor Who magazine. Uh, What's that? Um, a, a mobile game with I think it's got Michelle Gomez and the Daleks. Oh yeah, I yes, this is yes, it's kind of a comic. Uh, yeah, the, the art is kind of very comicky, isn't it? The poster for it was yeah. Um, I can't, again, I can't remember what that was called, but um, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes along with any information I can find. Um, but yeah, I remember that being announced last year, and they talked about sort of spring this year. But it seems like a while since there's been any any news or updates on it, doesn't it? Mm. Well, you know, um, BBC licensing is very difficult uh, and <laughs> uh, torturous to, to get involved. I did pitch DWSSG first edition. Um, I got quite close, but didn't get through. Um, I'm pitching second edition now to a, a games company, so my fingers crossed. Um, but you could also... Because my game is full booklets, you could release those as, as apps, you see. Yeah, so You could go mobile yeah. as well. Um, but that would take an awful lot of, of coding, but it, it's possible. But like, BBC licensing is very, very difficult, very, mm. very um, torturous to get into. Um, but you never know, hopefully. Fingers crossed, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Fingers crossed, yeah. fingers crossed. So. Um, so finally, you, you did a little bit of work on the Doctor Who classic DVD range as well. I did, yeah. Um, Ed Stradling, who's um, uh, one of the producers of the DVD range, uh, is my second cousin, actually. So he rang me up one day and said, what are you doing Saturday afternoon? Nothing. Look, I've got Pennant Roberts sitting in the lounge. Um, Brilliant. Would you come and interview him? Because we're going to do an interview for all his stories, but it's going to basically be going to be in the Sunmakers. Okay. 
Four Hoi Toddle, Nick Pennant, um, who's, who was lovely. Um, some of which, some of the names you, by the way, is in the Sharda, uh, the new Sharda. Ah, fantastic. When, when you see that, there's an old interview of Pierre Pennant Roberts in the Sharda. That's, that's Ed's, Ed's living room, Ed's parents anyway. And I'm, I'm interviewing him, so you really don't see me. Don't you? So I used a couple, yeah, I used, I did that one. And then they were doing another one then as a Trout and retrospective, um, where they wanted to interview all the Trout and companions at a convention. And I happened to be at the convention. So uh, rather than actually going to the convention, I spent most of the convention in a room interviewing um, Annika Wills, Debbie Watley, um, Wendy Padbury, and Fraser Hines. Which is not bad way to spend spend a weekend, really. Uh, it's quite good fun. I, I think I did about an hour with each one of them, um, and they edited those, and they went into the into the Crotons, I think it was. Yeah, it was the Trout and Retrospective, right. and it was very much based on what you remember about Pat Trout. Um, so I did that, um, and it, the great thing about these interviews is they once they're recorded, they never go away. So they've used the Debbie Watling one now, uh, or part of it anyway, from 2011 in the Debbie Watling tribute that's on the new end of the world. Ah, it's coming out the, uh, this month. The uh, special edition, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Been, it's been delayed about a week, hasn't it? But I think it's still coming out in March, yeah. Yeah, it's coming out in a couple of weeks' time. So my interview, well, I don't know whether I'll be credited on it, but my interview's in there, so it means I get a free DVD, so that's quite nice. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank you very much for joining me. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Mark. So we can find you on Twitter. It's at DWSSGO1. You can find us on Facebook on Doctor Who Solitary Story Game 2nd Edition easy to find or you can find us on Board Game Geek that's great I'll put links to all of those uh, in the show notes as well fantastic it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Mark it's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure thank you very much and thanks for listening at home goodbye thank you take that- care bye bye <laughs>